it was much a long line of Evil Queens. Just again, it's the you have the the, the old the old Caddy Queen, the young Caddy Queen, and the real Queen, <laughs> and the actual Queen. Mm-hmm. Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II. Uh, talking more specifically about Smith and Publish ad for the market. Yeah. <laughs> specifically. <laughs> so what? So with the Queen, so it was, so it was like Maiden Mother Crone. <laughs> that is actually how Ash described it. Oh, is it really? Yes. Ash. No, what I was talking was about was I throwing him up there with Ash and Musketeer. It was like I was, you know, nervous for him. And Ash is like, Musketeer uh, was like, no, it's fine. It's just TJ is ninety percent sass anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, yeah, you put up the young bitter queen, old bitter queen, and then Husketeer comes in, and the actual queen. <laughs> oh, oh, how dare, I've been promoted. <laughs> I've, been, I've, been, I've skipped past the peerage. <laughs> A lovely dinner with, uh, with her and, and uh, a friend of hers in Baltimore before she flew out. That was that was especially nice. It was nice to see her when I had no more con duties left to do. Yeah, what a nice three choice for sushi that night. That would that was that was that was lovely. That was it really nice. Would have been really nice. I the, the the thing is, I can probably get away more than I do, um, but like I don't know. I've organized I've organized myself out of a job in the same way that our con chair has kind of organized himself out of a job because. <laughs> We have three vice chairs, and we each have chunks of the convention, and he doesn't really have responsibility for anything directly. We are the buffer between him and the rest of the division heads. So it's, it's he can sort of make decisions, do whatever needs to be done, and fill in where he needs to be done. But he's like, I don't have anything to do that I have to go do. This is weird and unnerving and unsettling. <laughs> I'm like, I'm kind of the same way. So I spend a lot of time in programming ops <laughs> or in con ops with, with my with my con ops division lead. Or we drag you into panels until people start talking, until you start hearing voices, and then... Yeah, yeah. The uh, What's really funny is that when you're on a panel and you, you're, you're con staff with a radio and you have the, the Secret Service style over-the-ear headset, is that you do one of two things. You either, every, periodically, you just catch something. Or, or eventually when I get tired of it, I'll tell them I'm going off radio at least, but I'll do the Agent Smith thing and just pop it out of my ear. And then I'll come back on, like, I'll see two members of security and they'll be like, we need you up here now. I'm like, what's going on? And one of them looks at the other one and goes, he doesn't know. <laughs> <laughs> know what? <laughs> and on that lovely, lovely note, welcome to... Oh. Fur. Claws. <laughs> and Monk's here too. <laughs> Is that how we're doing this, really? It, why not? Mm-hmm. It's 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 uh, shit writers say or excrement no. authors articulate, which uh, you know take your pick because uh, we're all about hybrids. <laughs> Clearly, we are since we stole the concept from one. <laughs> <laughs> but we're lacking purple. How are those wings coming, Ocean? No, no, no. We, we got do rid of have purple. It's yes. there in the beard. <laughs> <laughs> and 
and also tiger stripes. As long as it's not the crows. Mm. You know what? <laughs> you leave my Victorian gay erotica out of this. Honey, you can have your Victorian gay erotica. That's just, I, I'm wanting modern erotica, not Victorian. I turned you off. Why are you making noise? <laughs> the power of wafted lemon compels you? <laughs> the power of a vicious rumor about lemons. <laughs> Oh, like a like a sad honeydew. <laughs> okay, before we get too far off, we'll all say. honey all all honeydews are sad. It's true. Oh, yeah. So before so, we get yeah. too far off topic, where are we? What are we doing? <laughs> and who else is in this damn room with us? <laughs> well, I think it's Anthro Ohio still. I mean, I called the Anthrocon a few times this, this weekend. So yeah, true. Once we're all writing a panel. The cockroach will find you. <laughs> he found Kit. <laughs> Kit did that at, at, at closed at opening ceremonies one year. Oh no. He is welcome to Anthrocop. Shit. I mean, welcome to Furthermore. <laughs> and and the cockroach would not have found out about it if our A V head hadn't been in the back of the room tweeting going, Uh oh, Kit in trouble with Kage. <laughs> <laughs> and Kage's Twitter response was I beg your pardon. <laughs> <laughs> so, Anthro have twenty nineteen, uh Sunday night post con. Hooray, we survived. Uh, I mean, so I've only been here a couple hours. Technically conditional on whether or not we make it through the night without our stomachs exploding. I mean, I, we haven't <laughs> cracked open the booze yet. We don't have Rocky Horror going yet. We have time to let food digest after the attempted uh, death by explosions. Yeah. Attempted. No. It's, it's still attempted. Due to a sausage fest. <laughs> I'm not into my stomach exploding thanks to a sausage fest we've talked about this year. <laughs> Now you talked that, about it that's enough. That's not my fetish meme. Goes here. <laughs> Your kink is not my kink, and that's okay. <sighs> so, who else is here? Obviously, we have the people. Well, not maybe not obviously. Let's go and start with you. Who? Yeah. JD. <clears throat> oh, it's me. Fugue. TJ. I have no name. Lies. But if you must call Lies. me something, it's no name. Lies. You are not nobody. <laughs> I am nobody. I stabbed the Cyclops. No, no. <laughs> I'm Sparf. I'm Manji. I'm Trail. Hello. And I'm a Moogle. Yep. Yeah. Our powers combined. We, we acknowledge that he is a Moogle. <laughs> and once again, we are creating a hybrid podcast because we actually... Last time we stole independent claws, now we're just hybridizing. <laughs> Sorry, Ocean. It's a, well, you've done, you know, a, you've you done a graft of an apple onto another apple tree so that you can get the right kind of apples. You see? The theme is the corporate. Shouldn't it be consolidation? Oh, I oh. like that. Con's over. Theme's gone. <laughs> <laughs> I'm left yet. Wait, do we know what hostile takeover? Take yeah, hostile merger. Yeah, it's they just posted it. I think it's something like, I don't know. Well, now he has Sci-fi to Fox with us. Hell of I know. Hold on. <sighs> yup. Well, he's a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. I'm for a future bullshit. I have to do it on two podcasts now. Because <laughs> <laughs> I made my non-furry co-host read it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is going to get interesting. 2120, your future. 
Apparently, it's like five cons doing the same theme together. Oh, the, 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 oh, the, the, the cyberpunk. Yeah, the tech noir. Nice. Mm-hmm. Let's that's, hope they pull it off because that's ambitious, and I don't know. Like some cons have really strong like theme support, like theme teams, and some cons sort of do that as a group. Right. I tend to find the cons that have a team dedicated to it seem to be a little more coherent with it. Hey, you remember when Fang and Roar shared a theme? I heard that was a nightmare. (laughs) (laughs) Was it? Uh, Who knows? I wasn't editing it then. (laughs) (laughs) Were you you living in the same vicinity as the person who was editing it and who screams you could potentially hear? I don't think that you're... No, No, actually, they had moved. (laughs) 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 I've thwarted you. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, honey, we all know you still heard those screams, though. (laughs) Well, I mean, it's only 3,000 miles away. It's, mm-hmm. yeah, I probably did. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm in an airbase flight path, though, so sometimes I might have thought it was a, it was a C-130. Mm-hmm. Like, not really sure. I'll look up from my desk, and there's a plane going over, and I'm like, okay, so that wasn't Ash screaming. <laughs> uh, okay, so I live by, I live, like, right beside Wright-Patterson Air Force Base. We got C-5 galaxies going overhead all the time. They just circle and do touch and goes doing their training all day long. Um, out of BLFC last weekend, I actually heard a, a plane flying, and I'm like, that sounds so familiar, but I know it's not a galaxy, and I looked around, and there's a C-130 that's landing on one of the land, landing strips. I'm like, man, I haven't seen one of those since I was at Bragg. <laughs> well, what's really great, though, a couple weeks ago, was the big air show. And the, the so every day were, were the fighters doing maneuvers because the Thunderbirds and the Blue Angels were both performing in the show. Yeah. So they were all rehearsing and, and working on maneuvers. And so I'm sitting at home, you know, this is while he's at work. So I'm sitting at home going, this is strangely comforting noise. Like I, <laughs> I've seen them fly in the past. And my dad has some really great photos. And I'm like, yeah, that's a good I remember going to those shows as a kid. That's a, that's a comforting noise. Because, well, it's also comforting because my house is in the flight path, but it's not under the flight path. So if anything happens, uh, <laughs> my house is okay. So how's the con for people? Uh, I just got here. It's been wonderful, actually. Yay! Yay. Hooray. How was your con? What did you do this event? Well, I sat on my buttocks and did not move for several hours at a time. <laughs> it was just like I remembered it when I've done it many other times. I was like standing a few times, though. That is true. I did try standing more because my display now lets it. However, um, at least this time came with more money, so I mean, that's always a plus. Mm-hmm. Yay. Yay. Yes. Book buyers. Yay. So, so is the dealer's den there reasonably comfortable because it... it for those who are have not been to Anthro, Ohio, and have not seen it, really currently, uh, the dealer's den is a big tent. Yes, it is a giant tent. They're hoping to get to a permanent structure, possibly. Because the hotel is doing the renovations, though uh, the status of the tent is questionable, especially behind exactly where we were, where <laughs> there was giant spots of uh, what looked like shipping tape. That had definitely algaed over, and uh, during major the major storm today, it definitely was leaking all behind us. Oh no! At least the rain only happened for a solid two minutes instead of the entire day like it was supposed to. Otherwise, we might have had to, you know, 
be dealing books underwater. Yes. And that would have been a very different theme for this year's convention. <laughs> <laughs> the enchantment under the sea dance. <laughs> Your father kissed me for the very first time on that dance floor. <laughs> so, Chief Fox, how was your con? I'll spend it with you. How was your con? Magic filled. Yes. Ouch. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, do you not see these two boxes of cards of War of the Spark? We cracked all of those this weekend. <laughs> there was a lot of magic played this weekend. A mm -hmm. lot. It, it's the most magic I've played since 20, 2010 when I last picked up the game for serious. Um, I, I, I played a lot, played every day in 2010 in the summer because my housemates were all, you know, like my, one of my housemates played a lot of pro tour events in Virginia. And so he was like teaching some of the younger guys in the house how to play it because they'd always been interested so I was like alright I'll go down the road to Target and I'll buy a couple of packs. A couple of packs turned into half a paycheck once and uh, by the way if you're, if you're a magic player I have this is entirely anecdotal I have no scientific backing for this but if uh, you want better odds at pulling like some really nice rares and mythic rares uh, grab the um, excessively over packaged booster packs from places like Target. <coughs> the ones that come in a blister pack and then inside is the foil pack you have to open. Because they're not boxed like booster boxes you buy in a card store. So their odds are I think better. I don't know. I have no idea. I have no idea how this any of this works. I like how as he's saying this he surreptitiously glances to the mathematician in the room and he's talking <laughs> about randomness. Be careful, or I'll, or I'll give you the Jurassic Park explanation of chaos theory. You wouldn't dare! <laughs> there are four bodies between you and the door. I would, in fact, dare. <laughs> Let's see. Where, where do my allegiances lie? Mm, that's a tough one. <laughs> I don't think I'm going to get banged head. <laughs> <laughs> All I, said, I don't know about this magic business. I was talking about a very different type of magic selling books today. It was not the type of magic. <laughs> mm. I mean, I, I helped you make books disappear from behind your table. That is true. That is true. That's a third type of magic. We, we I waved little sheets of paper in your direction and suddenly papers plastic. disappeared. <laughs> that is also true. Anybody who can uh, who can get the average con goer to stop in, take a look, see what you have, and then make a sale, you're doing some magic, even if it's low level magic. Yep. There are some people who are better sorcerers at it than others. Mm -hmm. We know a Pine Martin who can sell ketchup popsicles <laughs> to women in white gloves. Um, that's a that's a that's a serious concentration of magic. It's unnatural, and he should be burned at the stake. <laughs> Is that the Pine Martin who used to be a corgi? Yeah. yeah. Okay, I do know who it is then. Yes. 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 <laughs> yes. 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 I'm trying to respect the species change. I'm just. I'm just trying to remember because I don't know them that well. So. The, 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 there's pretty much one being at this point that fits that category, even minus the species part. <laughs> it's true. I swear to God, the fact that he pointed at someone once walking by, and 
I've later been told that it was someone he knew. It wasn't just a random stranger, but still, they were just walking by, and he goes, you, me, you need this book. <clears throat> Walks over, looks at it, yes, I do. <laughs> Pays, goes about his day. <laughs> See, th thinking of, of, of Zia, I actually remember the first time I was at a con where Soulful was. Mm -hmm. Happened to be my last San Diego Comic Con. Um, was there for the first time actually buying books because I was young and dumb and worried that buying adult, quote unquote, adult material online and having it sent to my grandfather's where I was living just felt weird. So, like, okay, I brought about $1,000 with the intention of buying everything by Gaia Gold. At which point I basically did. I had just more money on hand because last sure, sure. big con. Um, also, San Diego Comic Con, you, you never know how much you'll need. Yeah. Just to get in and get out. Mm -hmm. A lot. Yep. Yes, there's 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 a bribe required for this game. <laughs> to pay the bouncer. Yep. But yeah, I went over, I remember buying all of Kyle's book. That's where he before he revealed both his hats, he opened up the mug, okay, that'll buy all Tim's stuff too. Um and then Zia happened to be there. He's like, Oh well, you're buying books by people who are here who can sign them. I did this one and he held up save the day and I'm like, Sure, why not? Sounds interesting. So it's like, yep, yeah, books, 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 books. Books. More books. All the books. All the books. Yeah, yeah. I, I am slowly packing to move in a few months. And I'm at this time reminded of exactly how many books I own. Yep. I love books. I do not love moving them. That same summer where I spent a lot of time playing Magic the Gathering. I determined and resolved that summer that I was going to buy into this new e-reader technology. Not to replace my book collection, I like having physical books. However, when my car's back shocks were compressing downward <laughs> because I had at least six different milk crates full of books that I was taking with me for a three-month summer gig, I needed something I could travel with. <laughs> and the Kindle was just the thing. I have <clears throat> very recently started getting into audiobooks thanks to having only within the last two years actually come into the possession of an iPod for the first time ever. Uh, but I've been doing lots of audiobooks, and that's really great because the one thing I do a lot of that books are not good for is commuting. And I walk to work very often. And audiobooks are great for walking to work. I really like it. That was how I actually... Because I, I make the comment all the time that it's been years since I've actually had the energy to read something I've not been paid to read or been sent to read because of job. And last year when I was still working full-time at a 45-minute commute, husband's was an hour commute at the moment, and audiobooks were the way to actually, you know, get some sort of reading in, which then turned into, I still have a few in my library I need to get to eventually, but then I now do editing and publishing full-time, so now it's even more stuff I'm reading, and it's one of those, you do it all day for your job, do you want to do it in your free time too? Yes, I enjoy it, yes, my head is still pounding from all these stories in there at once. But did you run into Ash's problem? Because I know Ash has described a bit about having 
gone for masters in English. Yeah. That he he read for his degree so much and he analyzed so much that I think he said it was something like ten years after that before he could get back to I am just reading this purely to enjoy it again. Mm. Yeah, that, that editor brain switch, uh, or that academic brain switch, because he, he he has like five different literary theories he can he can examine things through the lens of, and so some of them some of them are contradictory. So he's going to be careful that he doesn't act like think down two two branch pathways because that'll really mess you up. <laughs> I think the stand-up I remember when I really had to cut back on any sort of reading might have actually been, funny enough, the last Kyle Gold book I read, which the last one I read myself would have been the third out-of-position book, I think. I think the last one I listened to an audiobook. But I'm pretty sure whatever I was editing at the time, because there was a few of them, I was definitely wondering where the football and the sex were in these stories <laughs> that had nothing to do with either. And I made some comments on the story and got comments back from the writer saying, what were you talking about? I don't remember what the comments were. I don't have a clue. Kind of like a stream of consciousness thing if I had to guess, but that was what... I don't know. Listening to the audiobooks was very different. It... it I was able to just have the story come and go a lot easier. I could just pick up and leave it. But physically reading it, my mind tended to work more with it, probably because I was stationary compared to driving. And it just, it played with me a little bit, which worked then because soon after I started averaging 10 plus books at a time I was dealing with between publishing and editing. So... Got a little bit too much to handle for personal reading. Yeah. I can see why. Yeah. Haven't made that mistake again in confusing a book, so fingers crossed. <laughs> the thing I needed to know about editing and publishing, I learned from binging 12 seasons of murder she wrote. <laughs> <laughs> was it the murder part? No, it was the, uh, it was the occasional conversations, and especially in the latter seasons that they would pepper in to remind you that she was a mystery writer. <laughs> She's like, oh, I'm here to help with this thing. And I'm, oh, I'm here, oh, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm here because there, there are horses, there's horse racing. And she has 47 nieces and nephews. And <laughs> well, that's one of the things I will, when I'm not, you know, actively engaged with, like, writing or, or things that involve words, I will sit down to do crafting work or whatever, and I will pop on a show like that. It was a long-running show that I enjoyed that I didn't ever get to watch all of it. I'll just sit and watch it all the way through, and I have like a few episodes left of season 12 of Murder, She Wrote, but I'm sitting there just like, and I'm, and I'm, I'm hearing things coming through and talking about uh, poisons and things, and I'm like, I've heard that before. And then I'm like, uh, I make a little bet with myself. That little bet is, is this a real thing that they're describing? Or is this a literary device that has just become common because someone else heard it on this show and did it? <laughs> like, the, the kind of, the kind of uh, uh, poison that will look like a heart attack and there's a specific name that will turn up in the show a lot. And I would look it up and be like, oh, that's not a thing. Okay, right. So I win the bet because I knew it wasn't real. And the little conversation with the editing... 
it'll be an establishment. She'll be in her publisher's office. She'll be like, you know, I really appreciate that you dug up this detail when you were doing it. Your edits are fantastic. And the editor's like, well, it's a pleasure to work on something so well written as yours, Jessica. <laughs> and then she goes off, and it's a completely different story. It's just, this is, oh, it's here to remind you. <laughs> Which is a thing sort of unique to that, because you don't have to remind people that Ben Matlock is a lawyer. Yeah. <laughs> This reminds me of, we watch a lot of HGTV and Food Network and other cooking shows. Reminds me of, like, MasterChef constantly, with every episode, they start with one person coming in and saying, you know, for a 30-year-old mechanic from Illinois, this is great for me. Every time somebody has to talk about themselves, their age, and their occupation, just to remind us what they do, so they'll get lost in the crowd every time. And it's just... It's become kind of a running joke at this point where we kind of look out for it. It's like, wait, I want to know what he does again. I forget. Is she is she still a mechanic? Is she still a lawyer? I don't know what she is right now. <laughs> is she a personal grocery shopper? Because that was one, I think, last season. What do they do? Does she raise free-range kumquats? <laughs> does, does she also run a non-profit about bunnies and her budget's $1.2 million? I don't know. <laughs> Mark. <laughs> Well, a quick call. We are marking? Yeah. Apparently. Okay. Um, there was something on the. Oh, I forgot what it was. Adam Cups. Oh, yeah, Cups. He brought up Murder, she wrote, and then dipped quickly into Matlock. As a kid, during my summers, sometimes I would not have a lot to do. So, in fact, there were a year or two, a summer or two, where my summer days were typically I would have Magic Gathering, I would play against myself, I'd be playing both players, and on in the background was Price is Right, Perry Mason, and Matlock. I love Price is Right. <laughs> Always spay and neuter your dog. Yes. <laughs> I, so the things like that, for me, like... Price is Right to me was was a, you're sick and home from school. Yes. Mm-hmm. yes. That's what I did. But also, in the summers, like, soap operas were still a thing. Mm. Like, there were at least six or seven of them on the air. Now there's like three. Mm. There's General Hospital, I think Young and the Restless, and Days of Our Lives. I think those are the three that are left. Um, and I got really, one summer I got really into Days of Our Lives. I was probably like 13, 14, I think. And there was this sort of nondescript, generic, Eurotrash-accented villain named Stefano. And you never knew where Stefano was from. You assumed Italy, but his his accent was all over the place. His last name was Demera. And the whole plot arc that summer was like this woman he was obsessed with, one of the main characters. He had kidnapped her, which he often did. It was kind of a snidely whiplash sort of thing. He had her locked in a cage in a, in a secret place under Paris. <laughs> and that was a, a whole plot arc. So I watched that. That was, that was after, that was a couple years after like my, my grandmother had passed away. When my grandmother was alive, she liked to watch Matlock. She liked to watch Murder, She Wrote. I remember those things. She liked Perry Mason. I never was around when Perry Mason went on. But my other grandmother liked, liked those things too, 
But one of the things she watched was it was a show with Dick Van Dyke called uh, Diagnosis Murder, where he is a medic. He's a he's a medical like chief of staff uh, or high ranking doctor at a hospital, and he's got these two other doctors. One of them was played by Scott Bayo, and I completely fucking forgot. Um, it's like oh wow. And he, he was a special medical examiner, you know, a special medical liaison to the police department. So he got to snoop around in the, in the police murder cases. And, and it, was, it was really fascinating because it was, it was Dick Van Dyke. So, like, early in Murder, She Wrote, uh, they, they had, like, scenes where... Angela Lansbury would play Jessica's like identical cousin from England who was an actress and things and so she could stretch those muscles a little bit with Dick Van Dyke it's frequent dance breaks <laughs> they would give him like frequent frequent pauses where he could like soft chew or or do some little dance choreography so I have since since I'm close to wrapping up Murder She Wrote I started watching Diagnosis Murder understandable I will eventually go back and watch Matlock. So, thinking, because you mentioned Price is Right, something I ran across the other day on YouTube is um, there's an upload of the first um, recorded Price is Right when they brought it back from 1972. Wow. So Bob Barker with his helmet of black hair. Yes. <laughs> and, yeah. Oh and the format, much different, because they didn't have um, the wheel to spin to get on the showcase. As I discovered from that one, they took the top two, you know, prize winners in terms of, you know, money and put them on the showcase. And there was also, and the, uh, the bidding um, to get up on the stage, it was only four people. I was so, going to spin that bastard of a wheel. So, yeah, uh, <laughs> YouTube user Match Game Forever is who put it up. Oh, dear. So. Love Match Game. <laughs> <laughs> we did Match Game and Furthermore. Well, a thing happened. A thing happened at Furthermore. It was it was an eighteen plus panel because there was going to be swearing like that was just going to happen. Husketeers hosting it. We pulled up some people to be the contestants, and then I was one of the panel of celebrities. It was all like senior con staff. I'm sitting there and I've poured myself a tasty beverage that I'm going to nurse along through the entirety of it, and I do. Now, I have been informed how match game works. And I realized very quickly that I was not going to be good at it. I wasn't going to be good at getting close to the right answer that the players would pick to get points. Is that really the point of the show, though? That's <laughs> not. <laughs> not for me. I started writing the most absurd things I could think of. About four different times, I wrote four. It's all about screen time. There you go. I wrote four, and I just held it up. And someone looked at me about after the third time, and the next time it came up, the next answer, and someone looked at me and said, Spark, I swear to God, if you write Vor. <laughs> and I hadn't, because the, I forget what the prompt was, but it was like, someone, someone has done this, and, and people were giving their answers, and it gets to me, and I hold it up. Has joined the choir invisible. <laughs> and three people in the audience got it. <laughs> but I, I had been sipping it all my tasty beverage. My totally legit tasty beverage. And I finished my tasty beverage, and I was feeling pretty good about my tasty beverage. 
one of the other uh, panelists leaned over and looked at me and went, I know what was there. Why didn't you need to drink some water? And we had each had two bottles of water at our station because we were doing some talking. So it was like, okay, no problem. No problem. I'm like, yeah, you're right. Grab a bottle of water, break the seal. Seal was sealed. Take a swig. It was not water. In certain countries, it might have been made of potatoes. <laughs> and I looked at it. And I looked over at the person and I said, Old. And he's just got this shitting grin on his face. And I went, put the lid back on. Went, all right. Well, that had to be 50-50. They can't both be. They, that, 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 would be that would be a waste of, of potato juice. So I grabbed the other one, opened that one up, take a swig. Nope. That one was made of sugar cane, <laughs> distilled into a clear liquid. I looked over at them, and I looked back at the back of the room, and there's just shit-eating grins everywhere, and I'm like, Bad. Got worse though. I left it. I left it in a place with bottles of similar type, but it was still in a water bottle. Like, well, it's it's been open. Nobody's gonna actually drink it. Like, clearly it's down. So, like, someone has been drinking out of this water bottle. <laughs> Friend Fox realized. He, he was feeling a little dehydrated and grabbed the first water bottle to hand. And it was mine. He came by where I was later, where I was sitting around a table discussing the, the incidents of the day, walked in, glared at me, and set it down on the table. And all I could do was look at him and go, Oh no, you didn't. He went, Yes, I did. It's like, and I'm keeping this one for penance. <laughs> but match game was fun. The biggest question I think is going to be, did somebody say, so-and-so is so this, and the entire audience go, but how blank were they? Yes, in okay. fact, that did happen. That's the only, only solution to that problem. What was the old TV show game where it was people were trying to get uh, tiles off of a screen. Concentration. Yes, and then there's the rebus underneath. Yep, Alex Trebek posted that. That was Alex Trebek. Alex wow. Trebek posted classic concentration. Alex Trebek has been around since the 1700s. He's posted everything. <laughs> he did not post Card Sharks, which was another of my favorite oh, game shows. I love well, that. Well, the reason I know Concentration is because uh, my grandfather had an old like VGA 16-bit computer program version of it. The Share Data was the name of the company who made it. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I have the same one for my Apple II. I still own it. Yeah. And that was the sort of thing. It was like the the family was doing family things, right? They're chatting about adult stuff, and I'm like six years old and cannot be bothered. So what do I do? I go into the back room where my grandfather's age-old computer is and, and I play concentration <laughs> in, in my in my floppy diskette file I have 
Wheel of Fortune, Jeopardy, Concentration, and Card Sharks. All I have games for all four of those. Then I have other things. I have a game uh, that was based on Zorro, which was a, like sort of a puzzle platformer, so that was neat. I had Ghostbusters. That Ghostbusters, the infamous Ghostbusters, the one that's basically the same game as the one on NES, <laughs> but it sucked less on an Apple II. <laughs> because the NES had some weird things they added, like the gas, and having to pick up and fill up on gas, and like, it, you, you could actually conceivably beat the uh, the computer game. And I've, I've done it, but only with a cheat code, where when you beat the game, it gives you an account code, account number. That account number is basically a password, so when you start a new game, it's like, do you have an account? Yes, no. Yes, enter account number. Type that in, and it will give you all the money that whoever had that password had. So it's, and their code's floating around on the internet now, so I can be like, okay, good. Now I can buy the portable containment unit so I don't have to go back to headquarters. I can buy the long beams. I can buy all this gear. And then just drive around, wait, you know, I've got enough money, I've got a, enough money well above the limit. I can go into the Zool building and win the game. <laughs> yeah. David Crane designed that piece of shit. David Crane? David Crane was the designer of Pitfall, of all things. He was a star designer at Activision. And that was... That was a thing he designed. <laughs> I had other games, too. I had Disney games. I had uh, The Chase on Tom Sawyer's Island. It was a little maze. It was kind of a Pac-Man-style maze runner, but you were being chased by Aunt Polly and Injun Joe. <laughs> and there were some places you could kind of get away from them, but you had to collect all the berries on the island and then get to your treehouse, and then you, you had to do this a couple of times. And if you lost... The lost screen was Tom painting the fence. <laughs> <coughs> Boy, that was shoehorned. Right? Well, because Aunt Polly was trying to uh, catch you and make you do your chores. Yeah. Like a responsible adult. Yeah. There was, a, there was one based on the Matterhorn, uh, Disney Matterhorn. It's called the Matterhorn Screamer. Starring Goofy. You play as Goofy. You have to hop your way up these platforms of rocks, climb things, dodge goats that are trying to push you off the cliff, jump into gondolas, avoid the abominable snowman, and get to the summit. As one does. As one does. No, we've all been there. I mean, yeah, right? I mean, who, who hasn't avoided the abominable snowman to get to the peak of the Matterhorn? No, see, <laughs> you mentioned... Video game and Abominable Snowman, and all I think is the old ski game that was on Windows. Where ski free. Yep. After you got far enough, he always got you. I got past him once. That's possible. It, I I didn't think it was, but I got past him once, and you know what happens? It loops. <laughs> you start back. I mean, you, you you keep skiing, but you basically just start back over. Uh huh. The whole thing just loops. Yeah. It's wonderful time waster. I never really spent much time with it. I'll tell you the game that I, that, uh, something that happened to me fairly recently um, because we have one of those NES classics, the little minis. Mm -hmm. And Punch-Out is one of my favorite games. I love Punch-Out. I'm not very good at the sort of upper tier massive fuckos that you have to fight towards the end. Like, 
I can get past Vodka Drunkinski uh, <laughs> fairly well. But then it's like, and here's Mr. Sandman. And I'm like, oh, fuck. I don't have the reaction time for this. I never had the reaction time. It's not that I got old. I just was never fast enough. But I've got, you know, you can you can help it along with a save state. So I've helped along with save state. But when it came time to fight Mike Tyson slash Mr. Dream, they just did a sprite swap on him when the contract ran out. That fight... So it's really hard in Punch-Out to win by decision. You, your enemies will be like, if you don't win, a lot of times they will win by decision, but it's actually really hard to do for yourself. Because you have to have, I, I forget if it's 2,000 or 5,000 points to have done. It depends on the tier. I thought, and I remember a strategy guide or something saying that it was not possible on the final fight. You could not win by decision. And I did. Thanks to the help of save states. But basically, I would only employ those between rounds. I wouldn't, like, take a punch and go down and then reset to the save state. Like, I didn't. Because on the NES Classic, you actually have to go hit the reset button, do some fiddling. It's not like a quick save and quick load on an emulator. It's a little more complicated. And I did it. It was a winner by decision. Little Mac. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? That's possible? Yes. I mean, shit. It wasn't until like there was an ABGN video. I didn't. I I always thought people were blowing smoke up my ass with the World Minus One on Mario Brothers. Nope, that's the thing. Yep. It's just a never-ending loop of a water world, and then you die. Yeah. <laughs> ah, crazy bugs. Uh, I watched a video of. Double Fine Productions, which is Tim Shaver's video game studio. And it was most of the studio hosting a speedrunner of uh, Psychonauts. So they were watching him break, their break game. the game. <laughs> and it was hilarious because at one point he goes, you know Raz can fly, right? And they're like, What? And then he demonstrates, and Raz starts flying slowly up the screen. And all of the programmers are trying to figure out, wait a minute, how did this happen? Wait, what's going on? Damn it. And they got really frustrated as a result. Oh, it's an animation glitch. Uh, what happened? How, many, how many of you guys play, like, long run, like, 4X RTSs or things like Civ? Yeah. On occasion, yeah. Yeah. So, occasionally get in the mood for them. I, every so often, I go back to... Star Wars Rebellion. Oh, yeah. Uh, Rebellion, like, Rebellion is a clunky game, but there's some fun in there. What's really great to do, I usually play as the Empire because I'm not good at playing an underdog to start with. I'll play as the Empire, and I will diplomacy my way into bright green stars <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> and it's, it's, I build up and I build up and I build up the Starfleet, and I'll just like build it, and I'll put, um, I'll put like, Jerjerod, or I'll put like, one of the officers whose diplomacy rating is like 150, and I'll send out a conqueror. I'll get there and be like, oh, this is run by the rebels. I'm like, ah, oh, I'll bet it is. What's on the surface? Oh, <laughs> two rebel soldier troops. Okay, right click, planetary assault, uprising. 
All right, send down the admiral to do diplomacy. Eventually, that little bar that tells you how you're doing goes from all red to all green. <laughs> Just very slowly taking over the galaxy that way. <laughs> I have a save file that is... There's one rebel planet left. I have the entire rest of the galaxy. It's one rebel planet. And most of the rebel leadership is captured because you can't kill the main characters. I sent the Emperor on, on an assassination mission or, or some kind of mission to the planet. And then something happened and then Darth Vader left wherever the fuck he was on his own and came there because the Emperor had encountered Luke. So Vader came, and then the final battle happened, and Luke was captured. And then I was like, oh, okay. I win. <laughs> I'll do that. I'll, I'll, I'll stretch Civ, Civ. I was playing Civ Five. Have you ever have you ever gone and played Civ Five and then, like, taken over a city, and it's like, do you want to conquer this city or liberate this city? And you're like, liberate this city. And then all of a sudden there's a leader back on the map who you didn't even know was out there. <laughs> I once restored the Austro-Hungarian Empire and I didn't know how I did it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she was always leery of me. She would never be like, oh, we pledge friendship. No. I am reminded of the very first time as a kid I figured out a way to break a game. The game was Deadlock, which is a turn-based strategy... 4X style game. Um, and it was played basically, the map was like of different regions, and if you were in one region, you could attack adjacent region kind of thing. Uh, but the map where the attack actually took place was just a little diamond grid kind of thing. And it took me a little while to realize it, but every time there was an attack, the attack always was from the bottom right side of the screen. And so I realized, wait a minute, all these people I'm attacking, they're putting their defenses willy-nilly all over the place. I'll just put them all on the bottom right side of the screen. <laughs> just have a line of defenses. And suddenly I was invulnerable. <laughs> you, had, you had constructed the Theodosian walls. Congratulations. I was very proud of myself. I would be. I can dump hundreds of hours into shit like that. <laughs> <laughs> should you is the better question. Should no, I should be productive and I should fucking finish books and write stories, more short stories, and I don't. Well, and end of June, you're gonna have to be productive for a short bit at least. <sighs> it's true. It's true. That, that'll teach you uh, self discipline. Yeah. And then you can just transfer that discipline onto something like personal projects and stories or books or something. Oh, June is very close. That's, that's, why, that's why I have a trunk story. I'm just going to luck out that way. Today. Edit, edit, edit. Okay, here you go. I don't. As long as it's good. Yeah, mine. I, I don't I don't have a trunk story. I'm going to have to write something. I heard good things from my group. It's just I accidentally sent exactly what they didn't want to uh, publisher. Um, it was for Predator Prey. And they basically said they don't want, I believe it was, uh, that sort of the Predator Prey dichotomy to be some sort of 
cover up for bigotry. Is that racial allegory thing? Uh, yeah. And they didn't want the Zootopia, what became the Zootopia yeah. dichotomy. And I kind of thought I worked around that, and apparently I didn't. Oh. I don't, I don't know. I mean, like, because, I mean, I critiqued the story. Mm-hmm. Um, it was there, and I kind of see where they were coming from, but also, on the other hand, it's like, yeah, it's pretty mild. That's not terribly bad. So I also think of it this way. If you look at it from the editing standpoint, with what you have in your slush pile, compared to other things, how much editing does it need? Mm. I will also add that I have not seen any of these stories for the anthology. Just, just throwing that out there. Oh, no, no, I was honestly just shrug either way. Whether you had or have not, it's not a, it's, if anything, I'm upset at myself. Because it was, well, one of a series of rejections that happened. And, yeah. But oh, it's also, I got, well, I got my first story published in the fandom, which was in the Fernal Equinox comm book. Um, I was over the moon. I was like, I'm invincible! <laughs> Spoiler alert. I was not invincible. <laughs> I said uh, it, it wasn't in the fandom. It was a small press. There was a thing called Beware. I think it was it been Beware of the Night. It was a werewolf anthology. And I wrote the most derivative werewolf story you could fucking imagine. It was dreadful. I, I, found, it the, <laughs> I found it the other week. And I was like, oh my god. Why would I submit this to anyone? Because I, I was invincible recently had several people discover some of my oldest published stories and I if it were not for the fact that they literally live on the other side of the country I probably would have leaped at them, tore it out of their hand and tried to burn it so I, I'm going to go ahead and mark this because I actually want to go into detail and this does not need to be properly recorded slowly sips beverage that's none of my business <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm unsure. I'm unsure how the slush pile is going to come in looking for for Fang. One story at a time. Well, yeah, shut it. <laughs> and love it, say that, and they break the rules. But some people will probably try and do too. Well, I, well, I, would, I believe their call says one email, one submission per email, though, right? You're assuming they read the submission guidelines. True. <laughs> you're, you're assuming <laughs> a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. In, in a perfect world. Yeah. Um. But Smurf, no, 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 I have to pop that bubble. Right <laughs> <out now. laughs> no, you don't. You will be disappointed in every way. Just assume it now. You will get a story that will be shaped like Squidward's house. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get a story that will be written, handwritten on toilet paper and brown gel pen. <laughs> and, then, and then a picture taken of every sheet of it and submitted in 45 JPEG files. Yes, yes, indeed, you will. <laughs> well, I don't want to send it as a document because I don't want anybody to steal my work. No. <laughs> <laughs> if I put it in digital format, it'll become into the ether and, and it will immediately become published until else is saying yes. Yes, it will. And of course you're looking for gay Hitler porn. <laughs> <laughs> I heard you like cover letters, so I'm going to put a cover letter on the cover letter. <laughs> and then attach Yo, it talk. to the email as well. <laughs> It's 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 my fervent hope that the stories I get I will look at and go, okay, I like that. What do you think, Kyle? <laughs> and Kyle goes, I like that. And I go, okay, let's 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 sit down here. Okay, uh, 
Alright, well we don't have to do a lot of developmental editing, so we just go, your story is accepted, here's some typos to fix. <laughs> Send it back. Not, not, not going to be another one of those, I think, what do you think, Mr. Dean Allen Foster? And your house is on fire tomorrow after this comments. I think whatever you think, Alan Dean Foster. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, wait a minute. I, I have to. How long ago was that? That was like 2013. Okay. It was a couple of years before the end. But but not like horrendously long ago. No. no. Okay. That author has an entire shelf of my Barnes and Noble, like one entire section. I think you mention this every single time. And I'm never going to stop, either. <laughs> so something I'm waiting for to receive for an anthology is a submission that there's no story attached, but just someone's resume that just talks about how good they are, and that we should pre-accept them before we get their story. Challenge accepted. So I've gotten that. When's the, what's I your have, next call again? <laughs> I, I have certainly gotten the, this is an oddball resume in your cover letter before. Like, I don't know why you're telling me all these things that have absolutely nothing to do with your submission. <laughs> it's like, I, I am not going to give you a job. <laughs> I might publish your story. Why is your story furry? Because I spent five years as a building contractor. <laughs> <laughs> building buildings that looked like Squidward's house. Except <laughs> <laughs> <Set in> Africa. <laughs> There's a cat on the first page. <laughs> I do think that was my one of my favorite things. see the cat again? No. No, the cat went upstairs and was written out of the show. <laughs> I do think that was one of the funny things with the Submit and Publisher. Furthermore, it's mostly it's like, oh, I heard this horror story. Why don't you talk about that one? I heard this horror story. Why don't you talk about that one? Yeah. And just back and forth. Like, well, how many times was it that you gave this dude a chance? 27. No, 17. Uh, 17. I think she had the email chain in his hand. Yeah, yeah I did. I he kept yep. that. I've read that email chain. Oh. <laughs> I've learned after the first Tales from the Guild anthology that I should really be keeping very detailed notes on all my awful submissions. As that was my first anthology I've edited, I did not, and that was where most of my awful things came from. Not all of them, but a lot of them. Like my JPEG submission, <laughs> my... I thought you were joking. <laughs> no, you no. Know, so, so, no. Someone wrote a 12-page story by hand, took pictures of the page. Their handwriting was awful, by the way. Like, abysmal. Took pictures of each page, set them in a zip file... So I knew they at least knew some sort of technology. They could use zip files of all the JPEG files. They weren't even renamed. They were all just like photo underscore 130. So they came out of order. Let me just add that on, because that is an important detail in this story. <laughs> also, their pages were unnumbered. So the only way you could tell which, page, which one it was was to say, okay, this ends with but they, and the next page may start with the Emperor today. <laughs> Probably not the next page. <laughs> but, yeah, it was a series of JPEG files, and uh, I should have literally replied, what the hell is your problem? But I'm like, 
people don't know me as much yet, I'm going to just say thank you for submission, but we weren't looking for this at this time. <laughs> Mark. So, that's the kind of thing I can expect, and I'm gonna cry now. <laughs> like, the, 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 the toilet paper roll thing was apparently a story from Anthrocon's Iron Author. Yeah. From years ago, it was like, well, was, back when presentation was, mattered. I actually almost, so, for a little bit of clarification before I go into the story, Anthro Ohio does have an Iron Author contest. And this year, I actually started participating in it. I ran it this year. I almost went out of my way and said, no, you must type or write something up on a sheet of paper. Because I do not want the postcards tossed in the air, picked back up, and read in some random ass order without an O. <laughs> <laughs> hey, with this thing being corporate takeover, you're lucky you didn't get them on post-it notes. <laughs> Very lucky. I think the thing that stopped is because your rule actually said it had to be emailed. Or, um, or handwritten, yeah, legibly. Handwritten legibly. Um, and also, to, to be doubly fair, like Anthrocon's Iron Author was, well, it, it's, it's sort of defunct right now. They may bring it back at some point, maybe. Who knows? That depends on Giannis. But it, it, it's deliberately bad. Like, its entire thing is to write the worst thing possible so people can get a good laugh out of it. This was actually, with these constraints and these slightly ridiculous rules, do the best you can, which is a, the at the the absolute inverse of Anthrocons. And you know, had Iron Author at one point described as the, the thing that tries to make people who don't drink drink. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Didn't it succeed? I don't remember who, but I believe so. I believe so. Um, I, I, I wanna I, I know a guest judge and I'd like to be interested just sit in the corner and watch. With a bottle of something nearby, skooma that'd be a safe one. Yeah, and just see how long it would go. Skooma is never safe. True. <laughs> it's safe. not. It's not safe. You can't tell how badly it's gonna mess you up. Is it safe? No, it's not safe. It's Get safe. out of the dentist chair. What, what is safe? safe? Let's define the word safe first. Definition of the word safe is that as you're drinking it, you are aware of the various drugs and chemical compounds that make up said alcoholic beverage. And therefore, you kind of know how much it's going to affect you. Skuma, as produced from the Skyrim or Elder Scrolls cookbook, yep. is not that. <laughs> Skuma is dangerous. <laughs> Kajit just needs one more hit of the skooma. Just one, maybe just some plain moon sugar. Please. Because if I sat and drank that container of skooma, I could sit and I could drink that container of skooma. <laughs> and I would be fine until I needed to move. <laughs> yep. And I know how it would affect me because this happened to me at Philadelphia because I was being stupid. When you're at a convention and you're imbibing of alcohol, pace yourself and hydrate. I, you could argue that I paced myself. <laughs> you could argue that. It would be a, like, let's say a, a good pace is, uh, you know, 2007 Nissan Sentra. Run at average highway speeds. This pace was more 
Brickyard 500. <laughs> um, I didn't do my due diligence. I didn't hydrate, and I'm. And, and the spirit of choice was tequila. Oh. Oh. But it was tequila mixed with a pre-mixed margarita mix. And I was mixing a fair amount of the mix in, so that's the flavor I got. There was no burn. There was no evidence of what was happening. So I wasn't really paying attention. But I was also, it was in my room, five feet from my bed. I was like, I'm fine. I'm not going anywhere. Huge group of people. I'm just going to town on it. And then I was like, I'm tired. I'm going to go to sleep. And I did. Don't do that. Take care of yourself. Hydrate. Advil. And don't overdo it. Personal life choices. I made a very <laughs> poor life choice. But I made it to my 5 o'clock panel with Boozy performing on stage. Because my hangover ceased at 4.30 p.m. <laughs> when my roommates ran into him, like, early in the afternoon, they were like, hey, Boozy. He's like, yeah. He's like, uh, we know Sparks going to be on stage with you later. He's like, yeah. And they're like, we're not sure he's going to make it. And the first thing he did was look at them and go, what did you do? <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I made it. And by then I was feeling great. I mean, I wouldn't have wanted to eat anything especially spicy. <laughs> but like I was doing pretty good. I got up on stage. We did the thing. Great. I was on the next panel, too. And that panel was me, Boozy, QM, and Giza from Anthrocon. And that panel was called Libation Appreciation. <laughs> that panel was talking about demonstrating our favorite drinks and, and telling stories about, you know, our times interacting with them. And it was it was a fairly fun panel. But as we go down the line, there Giza's like, he was like, what's your favorite what, what's your preferred drink today? And he's like, whatever's in front of me. And, and QM goes mojito and Boozy goes bourbon made the proper way and he explained what the proper way is and they get to me and I go clunk my bottle of Pepto-Bismol <laughs> <laughs> and I said that <laughs> I should write a story about that yes. <laughs> then I'd have a complete story for once <laughs> you have a complete story I do and they're all over like 15,000 words <laughs> But I don't think the uh, uh, legend Roar Seven. Roar Seven was uh, okay. No, that wasn't. Uh, that was probably like six or seven thousand. It's probably the shortest thing I've ever had published. The reason why it was six or seven thousand words is because that was originally a comic book story, so it had to be short. Oh. <laughs> it was. It was a comic book story, and in in its basically draft form, it was it was published uh, in the further confusion comic book. Um, which I was, yeah, I was pretty proud of. And then that was the story that I took and workshopped at RAR. I've because, seen the, the stack. Yeah, I still have, <laughs> You found the stack. RAR right? year one, we used paper <laughs> oh. for all of the editing. Oh. We were supplied mm. with the printed copies and the red pens. My life. <laughs> yeah. we were And I liked it. And all these classes after it's like we're not doing that we're doing google docs or whatever they're doing and i'm like or something and i'm like oh no where's all the dead trees <laughs> give me the dead trees but i ran it through the ringer at rar and 
it, and then I submitted it, and uh, what I was kind of getting at about the slush pile is when I submitted it, because Mary was, was the editor, Mary Loud was the editor of Roar, and she's like, I love it, we'll take it, great, okay. Uh, my edits come back, and my edits are, yeah, they're like three or four typos, because her, her style is very uh, hands-off. She, she, she treats it like editors in outside the fandom where there's no time for that sort of developmental editing. So like if, if it's if it's in, it's in. If it's conditional, it's conditional when there's some edits. And if it's not, then you know it's not. But it's it's my it's my fervent hope to have a, at least a few stories like that where I can just go, yep, and Kyle goes, yep, and we go, here's your typos, fix them. You're in. Lovely when it happens. Yeah. It does happen. I forgot I, pronouns. Know, for all the awful no, not pronouns. Um, you know, slush pile stories there are. There are the occasional ones of this story is perfect, it needs almost no work, and we are ever so ever so happy. And this is why I have very short anthologies. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I know I know some people I'm and I'm you on air, off air, I'm not going to name names on this, but I know people who are like, they'll get a story from a person, they'll be like, I'll read that later because I know it's good and it's probably in, because I know this person's work. And then they'll read it and they'll be like, okay, it needs some edits. But they're in because I know they'll do the edits. Here you go. That, that's true. I mean, I limit too that if I have people that I know for a fact are going to be pleasant to work with and actually put the work and do the edits... I will make more exceptions for them than people that I know are going to fight me in everything. Even the person that needs less edits has a slightly better story, but the first person has a little potential. I will work with them more to go over because I know that they're going to be pleasant to work with and I will have to drink less <laughs> in order to get through the process. And that's great on both my budget and my well-being. So those are great pluses. Something I should feel like, I feel like we should mention for just people out there who might just be interested in getting into the writing. Bear in mind there are currently three editors, one of which is a publisher in this room. They do talk to one another, so don't do anything crappy to any of them. Yeah. Don't do the thing of trying to play one publisher off another. <laughs> because there have been things of, like, um, people submitting stories to Fur Planet saying, oh, well, Sofa Wolf was too snobbish. They didn't want my story. <laughs> It did not end well. <laughs> I'm going to publish it with X Publisher because they have better, they have higher standards. But if they don't want it, I'll take it to you. <laughs> oh, I forgot about that. Said to the publisher on the convention floor. <laughs> so now thinking about RAR actually has me chuckling because um, do we RAR have class, to? Huh? Do we have to think about RAR? Yes. 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 Because of that very reason, we have hat. Yes. We have yeah. Rar class one in the room right now. Rar class two in the room. Rar class class three in the room, and we have Rar four in the room. And the so the the quiet one finally actually is the one who actually got his class together on Telegram talking. And apparently they're all kind of having this. Oh my God! What's going to happen? What's this going to be like? What's this going to be like? We both told, like, me and Mog, we'll talk to Jay about what it was, how it went. I mean, you talked to him about what it was, how it went, and stories from there. We, like, don't tell them. They can, <laughs> this is a surprise. 
apparently they're also wondering, well, what are the classes like? I'm like, I haven't recorded. And you, I am telling you crap just in case something changed. So just, mm-mm. You get to find all of that one out for yourself. It was it was an, it was an interest it was an interesting first class because it was all it was all a big experiment like mm-hmm. we, we we put this shit together and I was like can I, can I also apply to it and everyone was like well just don't judge submissions and cut yourself out of that process and you can you can be evaluated as a candidate I was like okay I want to do this I got accepted which was kind of a shock <laughs> to be perfectly honest um, and yeah like. It's a thing. I'm glad it's a thing. But also, okay, so we have like class one, two, three in the room. Upcoming class four. Here's your alumni reunion. Sorry, guys, I suck. No, no, no. no. I tricked you. That's July next year. Fuck you. You're doing that again. <laughs> okay, fair. Um, oh, that. No, 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 no. Like, th- there's a lot of push from a lot of the classes to do like an alumni event. And, mm-hmm. and Serval's like, that's in the works, that's being planned. Oh, for I, year five. I, I've kept bugging him about it since basically... <laughs> oh, God, it's you that does it. Oh, yeah, because, you know, he mentioned, yeah, we, we, we kind of want to do this at some point. And I remember it was actually uh, before year three at Anthrocon. No, it was year three at Anthrocon, just after you got back. Um, we were over here, and he's like, it was uh, shock and amazement. Alumni or associated people outweighed the rest of the room. There were two people <sighs> who weren't a part of it. Um, and... Serval goes through his presentation, like, good small cat, and finish the presentation with Tim up there and all that other fun stuff. He's like, any questions? They don't raise their hand. I'm like, I kind of have one. He's like, yeah? He's like, I believe I heard you mentioned Mumbles about an alumni event at some point? And that was basically since the end of, end of year three, just after year three happened. So it's like every time, it's like, oh, alumni event, win? Alumni event, win? Do you have it up yet, ideas? <laughs> I think it was finally, uh, actually, last AC. Where he actually went into some details on it. Because, like, I think we can actually finally start talking about this. Yes. He's like, they keep asking me about it. They keep asking me about it. Oh, God. He does way too much work. Oh, my I, lo- God, I love it. Yes. Yes. He's, like, thing, like, he, he's very quiet. And, like, you, you, a lot of people don't know who he is. But, like, he's, he he's does all manner of shit that keeps... All manner of things running. If it weren't for him, RAR would not be happening. This is yeah. quite true. True. <laughs> Wasn't it literally he had this crazy idea and people were like, well, it sounds interesting. So here's how this went. I, I am trying to remember the way it went. <laughs> this is how it went. He, there was a discussion on Twitter. And it was it was him and Kyle. And then it, it got some response. It was like, Ocean Me... For some reason, I thought Darkin was involved as well with that conversation. Yeah, Darkin was involved, but yeah, so, and then all of a sudden, this group message appears in our Twitter inbox. It's like, so let's talk about yeah, making this happen. It was like, oh shit. I think Ocean actually says that he had to pull over from the highway and this group message started so he can actually participate in the conversation. <laughs> I can see that. Yeah, and then it, and then it took shape from there. I keep thinking about I keep thinking about alumni event and all I'm like like class two and class three we're gonna have to find a place with a hot tub because they yes they won't, yes they won't, yes. they won't be comfortable in a writing retreat without a hot tub right Meanwhile, I'm like I'm 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 in somebody's guest room I'm in somebody's <laughs> guest room shoot <laughs> it's it's true it's true. There's, there's nothing 
there's nothing more inspirational and yet unnerving than than staying in a room in someone's house and like each room you see in their house the walls are hung with the cover art of their books <laughs> the living room was was one set of books that were much older and the the paintings were much larger and then i was in the the medieval fantasy room <laughs> And another person was, was, was in his library and office on an air mattress. And there were things in there. And I'm like, well, hashtag squad goals. <laughs> <laughs> I still think my favorite story, I don't care if I keep talking about this every podcast, is I like Kyle's work. Tim's, on the other hand. <laughs> <laughs> oh, bless him. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, we got a nice dick wave there. What? Okay. You don't know about this trick? <sighs> okay, it's a, it's such, it's a game that YouTubers do, that the Rooster Teeth dude guys do when they get bored rendering. Is you're looking at an audacity, so you have your waveform, mm-hmm. and you try and make your waveform like like a dick. Uh, oh, oh God! Okay. That's Are straight a, people no. okay? <laughs> <laughs> Has anyone checked on the straights? <laughs> Are there any three people in this room? I'm sure they need a lot of help. No, I think so. Well, everyone no. in here is either some flavor of buyer or some flavor of buyer gay, so. Yeah? Yeah. Uh, the, the Rooster Teeth guys are fine. They're they're good people, allies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. They're fine. <laughs> Although I mean, it was Gavin, and I have questions about him, but the rest of them, they're fine. <laughs> I mean, they, they did kick off Vic McBubba from uh, Ruby, PDQ. Yep. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, Mignana. Yeah. Mignana, yeah. Mig, 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 not going to work here anymore, anyway. Uh, The court of public opinion is no longer in session because the actual courts are going to be happening, so that's going to be interesting. Well, we'll see what happens. Oh, yes, basically. I just, I didn't realize, like, that guy, like, I met him, and, I mean, he he was, like, super nice to the point where I was just like, are you being fake or are you this enthusiastic? I didn't realize how old he was, though, because he didn't look it. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize he was 59 or oh, whatever. Wow. He's like close to 60. Wow. Um, yeah. It, it, was, it was interesting watching, like I, I watched a couple of the episodes of Star Trek where he was playing Captain Kirk on the Star Trek Continuous thing and I'm like, I miss the other guy that was doing this. Wait, <laughs> he played Kirk? Yeah. The, the, so the fan uh, fan series like was Star Trek Continues or, ah, or, or okay. Phase 2, there was a split and he was playing Captain Kirk. There were a couple of interesting cast members on that one. Like Grant Imahara playing Sulu was just mm-hmm. yes, please. But yeah, no. Um, there's a. I think more that the lawsuit, if I remember correctly, is more about uh, defamation and potential losses from what uh, Monica Rao, Chris, I think is his name, and I think there's someone else in there as well. Basically, you you passed around this information and, to, and said bad things about my name, which made me lose all these jobs, whether they're real or not. He's, I believe he's trying to argue defamation more than anything else. Ah, uh, okay. Well, we'll see what happens. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna worry about it. I. I am. I am. She would. Pro- Monica Rial would probably still recognize me. Oh, nice. Um, probably. Um, couple couple anime voice actors like actually know who I am. Um, from my time way back in, in the before time, like before I was doing very. I, I went to my last anime con in 2006. And um, 
they're talking about you know publishers talk you know editors talk to each other that's true just about any industry there's mm -hmm. a there, there was a fellow on some amateur voice acting forums and he started he started off innocently enough like he's a younger guy but an adult but younger and he was like very much oh I want to be a professional voice actor I want to be a professional voice actor and that's fine like there's a lot of people who did like I was one of those people and he he kind of went down this path where he was he made his own fake blog where he chronicled his adventures being a professional voice actor with like it was kind of like real person fanfic because all that oh. he would write other people into his story oh. and then he would sort of stalk them not stalk stalk but kind of creepily hover at cons and despite sort of being gently nudged to move along and one of the last anime wasn't the last one, but one of the last one I went to. One of the voice actors came up to me and says, "I met your nemesis." <laughs> I said, "My nemesis?" He said, "Yeah." This guy, I was like, "Oh my god, he's real." <laughs> I was like, "Yeah, oh yeah, he's real. He's real." And he says, "Let me tell you, if he comes near Monica Real, I'm going to turn this ring backwards and beat him within an inch of his life." <laughs> I was like, "Okay." <laughs> Short voice actor man gonna get violent, because <laughs> it was it was super, but you know the, he had a reputation such that like he he stopped. Fortunately, I don't know the details, but like they they kind of got got him out of that phase, whatever happened. But his name was kind of a joke for a while. At one point, the Funimation booth at one of the smaller anime cons. Just for the length of time it took to take some photos, they didn't leave this up. They had someone had photoshopped a for dummies book cover, and it was being a voice actor for name. And it, yeah, so this isn't unique to publishing, mm -hmm. fandom publishing or otherwise. Mm -hmm. Any industry, people talk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you don't want to be the subject of bad talk. No. Nope. If you're if you're super nice to me, even if I can't take your story, I'm gonna be really excited the next time I get a submission from you. Like I'm like, oh, this person, even though I rejected it, this person was super sweet about it. Oh, I'll read their story. Oh, this one's better. Okay, that's good. You know what? I'll see how they are to edit. We'll see what happens. That's that's my philosophy. Let's find a way to say yes. That's what you learn when you're auditioning as an actor. It's like, give them a reason to say yes. Because they're looking for a reason to say yes. They're not looking for reasons to say no. If you give them a reason to say yes, they don't have to sit in that audition room all day. <laughs> they can be like, you're hired, next. All right, let's start seeing people. For the, year. the rest of you are just missed. Go, go home. We've got, we've got this one. Let's deal with this thing next. So give people, give people reasons to say yes. That is true, because uh, definitely if, especially in the, the short story market, if you have a lot of people say yes to stories, then you, I know, even with these last couple anthologies, I, I definitely had to feel like, my editor's like, I want to say yes to more people because these are getting kind of short. Like, well, again, I, I've already mentioned my philosophy on that, I want the quality, but if inherently 
the book was longer because we had all these reasons to say yes, then you you already have what you want out of this, so it's easier to say no to the bad ones that you feel bad for. I guess that's what I'm trying to get at. It's like it's like, oh I know said person, I know they're a great writer. This is not their best work by any means in any fashion of the form. Can they please not write this ever again? <laughs> but I love them, so I want to say yes because I want more in this, which is actually how I ended up writing my only story for the last 15 years. <laughs> because I wanted to say yes more and I couldn't, so I wrote a story and the other editor said yes to it instead. But, you know, we, 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 we do a lot of we, I mean, like a lot of publishers, do a lot of developmental editing because there, there is time committed to that. If you have the time available and want to do that sort of editing, I, mean, I think of uh, what's going to one story that's going to be in Fang Nine that's something like oh, fifty-two percent longer than it started. Um, one story that was in Heat Fifteen that was a uh, sixty-four percent longer than it started. I wrote a story and submitted it to Inhuman Acts. The noir anthology that Ocean edited. Uh, first one. First one. Mm -hmm. uh, it was. It, it came in. I think at just over eleven thousand words. I got a. I got a word extension mm -hmm. because Ocean was like, I know how your writing is. You're allowed the extra words as long as you tell the story. And then he rejected it, and he was kind enough to give me feedback. And then I submitted it to my writing group, and I merged the feedback with what he said and what they said, and. You know, kind of half did the edits. I'm like, well, I don't have a place to put this. I need to focus on where I'm going to submit next. Now we've got the submission call for Human Acts 2. I started writing a story that I abandoned because I realized that, once again, what needed to be conveyed on the page required so many more words than I had that I could dedicate to it because the plot was going to suffer and the characters were going to suffer if I put in the things that needed to be understood at, at the bare minimum to get this. Because what I was doing was I was writing a fantasy noir. It was essentially the idea was it, the, the tone was going to be, okay, what if, what, if, what if Frodo fails in the mountain? What if Sauron wins? That kind of world. But I'd also been reading Tolkien at the time, and it it, it kind of seeped into what I was doing, and I was like, oh, I am going to not be able to get this done. Even if I get it done before deadline, it's going to be like double the max word count, and even even the most generous, uh, like, I'll let you go over the word limit is not going to, that's not going to fly. So I was like, all right, I have a story. He liked the story, but these were, things were wrong with it. Let me fix it. It ballooned up to about 13,000 words when I resubmitted. He was fine with that. I asked beforehand. Mm -hmm. um, but it, my, my, my work can balloon in, in my initial edits phase, and then other people go, hey, you can cut all of this. And I'm like, okay. Thank yeah. you. Tell me what to do. I will do it. Because you're the editor. You're the boss. <laughs> That's one thing I will also say gen for a general audience. If you're over word count, talk to your editor first. Mm -hmm. Every single time I've su I've had a story that would over word count, I checked with the editor, got their permission, submitted it anyways. And and 
It's peculiar because several of the editors in the fandom are okay with fudging the word counts a little bit. There, I think Mary is very strict about them, I thought. I don't recall, but it never came up for me with her. I, th- I, I do think she is closer to you need the words that are there, I yeah. think. And I know in non-furry publications, they are also very, very strict. So it's curious to me that, you know, I, I think there's like the 10% rule, that if you are 10% over or under the max or min word count, usually in the furry fandom, that doesn't matter so much. The moment you start pushing past that, that's the moment you need to start asking, hey, is this okay? And the moment you get to double the word max word count, that's when you do not submit. <laughs> you find another venue. Unless by some miracle you talk to the editor first and they say yes. But don't hold your breath. Yeah, that'd be that, a very in- interesting market at that point. That, that's basically why Hot Dish exists. Yeah, you get a lot of positions after that lane, you make a new market for it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Candle. <laughs> <laughs> oh, bless Candle. I love him so much. I love him so very much. Mm-hmm. I don't know if this is just for me, because funny, you bring the, the whole thing with the Human Acts 1 and that story. I edited it for that anthology. I don't remember your story, but if I do remember your story and it did not get accepted, that's generally a problem. I remember one story from that, that particular anthology that did not get accepted. And I wrote a short thing on the forums for the Fur Writers Guild at some point, which was about the fact that I broke a binder over that story. This is back when I edited all my stories by hand. Um, I mean, that was only three years ago, so, I mean, this wasn't that long ago. Sorry about that in a moment. But (laughs) (laughs) the fact that it wasn't the matter of the story until the fact that, I'm going to be very non-specific, character has a job, and... It's the job that I know very well because I've done, and the person describes the character doing the job entirely wrong, even though that's part of the main plot of the story. And then what was hopeful in the beginning of like really the story goes downhill so fast and so hard into being such crap that I'm the time to blink about it. I mean, this was a one-inch binder. I snapped it in half and got it right out the window immediately. I'd go out in the yard to pick up pieces of the binder. He was a husband said next to me was at work, luckily. He didn't hear me yelling over the story. <laughs> but it was a thing that happened. And <laughs> that is it. That's the one I remember from that anthology that I rejected. So don't be that one that you remember. <laughs> and the editing by hand one was funny. It's an, it's an ocean story from Rainforest. The, uh, I think it was 2014? They only went to 14 and 15, and then it was gone after that. Yeah, well, yes. was last year. So, 2014, I go and, I mean, I, I it was a lot of decision we went. We went for our honeymoon, basically drove across country for it, and Ocean's hosting an editing panel. I'm sitting on it, because it was too late for me to actually be on the panel. Like, okay, I also never been on one before. And I'm just there listening, and I'm, you know, what people do, I bring work to do. It was writing or editing, and just I'm inspired by the creativity around me. And Ocean's talking about the wonders of Microsoft Word. And here I am with a binder and a red pen. <laughs> and he's just talking and just glaring holes through me. I look up like, 
what am I doing wrong? <laughs> it's like, so, and then we see our editor back there, handing by hand, why don't you talk for a while about the subject? And I'm like, oh, hi, I'm the person that exists here, hello, I get to your stage eventually, but for right now, because I, I was so bad at reading on screen, I couldn't trust myself to actually read properly and catch the edit, so I'd do it on paper first and then, then get it to Word eventually, since I've, then I've gotten better at the skill. But it's just amusing how just confused he was about, reading, <laughs> about saying those words, and all of a sudden I'm doing the exact opposite. All the wonderful little copy editors, Marks. Yeah. Funny enough, I kind of hate how a good quarter of them. I'm like, I don't know why you use this funny little mark. I'm going to use something way different because this is for me and me only. I don't yeah. care if you know how to use this. Yeah. <laughs> it's your own personal shorthand. Exactly. My favorite thing is, just, is is all the shit you learn, like, in the editorial writing and editorial process, especially when you have to pause and do research. You're like, oh, what is this job like? <laughs> or it's or it's something or it's something you you know vaguely remember from a former life, or like, you know, oh, what poisons? What kind? You know, we always make the jokes like, never look at my search history because so you're a writer. Because mm. yeah. Maybe they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna find someone dead of, of, of arsenic and they're gonna come and look at my my search history and it's gonna be like like how long does arsenic take to, to, to pass through the human body? How you know how does it linger? And <laughs> what what is the proper length of rope if the arsenic fails? And I will I'll have all that and then I'll have interest in like other topics and I'll I'll, I'll I keep telling people that if I ever figure out a story that belongs in that world, I am going to write a Byzantine furry story. <laughs> I just have no fucking clue what what I would write in it. Because it's, it's, it's not, daily life's not pretty. So I run into the problem sometimes that whenever I am doing any amount of editing or slushing or in any way reviewing a story, and there is some amount of scientific or engineering numbers given. Yeah. <sighs> I must go and check to make certain they are accurate. <laughs> and a couple of times I have caught the author going, Oh, I'll just put down any old number here. <laughs> <sighs> Please don't do that. It, it will make me throw books across the room. Now, I would just assume they just not include the data, because then I don't have to check it. <laughs> <laughs> well, when you, when you know something, like if you have, if, you know, uh, one time in my life I was a firefighter, volunteer firefighter, so I have like knowledge in that area. But like at the, one time I was gonna, I was, I was, I had an idea for like a military sci-fi novella or something, and I was like, I should read some of the popcorny stuff to see, like, not nothing like really heavy in the genre, but something really like is probably the level I'd be writing at at best. I just want to see what people pick up for light reading in like military sci-fi genre. So I went, you know what? Tie-in novels are good. Halo. Oh. All of Reach. Mm -hmm. I was unable to put that book down. I had to throw it with great force. <laughs> it, I'm, a, I'm, I'm not a military person. I'm not. I, I'm, you know, I'm not that. I have some I have some fundamental knowledge of terminologies and of, of like firearms stuff. And the big one that I always harp on is magazines and clips. When Master Chief is in his narrative text, 
talking about clips, I was done. Because I knew, I played Halo, and I knew what the weapon looked like. No, it's not. And I went, <laughs> fuck you! <laughs> then I had to pick it up and finish it, because I felt bad, so I'd spent like $7 on it. I didn't want to. <laughs> then I promptly donated it when I was finished. I was like, well, that was a tie-in novel. That was a thing that happened. Yep. <laughs> had a friend that uh, a beta read his novel, and he had some, uh, he had some gun stuff in there. Uh, he had he had silent silencers, <laughs> and yeah, I'm like, no, no, that's not how they work. <laughs> and later on, there was a there was a gunfight where the the uh, the the quote unquote good guys, which were like this splinter cell thing where they had improvised explosive devices, they were they were throwing them inside of a building down a hallway, and you know, they were described as hand grenades. I'm like, no, no, you, you don't do that either. That's that's not... Because that everything just comes right back at you because it's it's you're, you're throwing it down a gun barrel, basically. <laughs> <laughs> Those... The, the silent silencer thing makes me think of what I was talking about with Murder, She Wrote, about the, like, the recurring type of poison that, like, doesn't actually exist. Like, you know, like, you'll get... Descriptions of sodium pentothal being used for you know, as a truth serum. Right. It's not how it works at all. Right, yeah. And like these things that just sort of perpetuate themselves through stories. That's what what I was running into with this fucking book. And I was like, oh my god, why? Why did I do this to myself? Oh, oh I did have one of those related to mathematics. There was a story. I think it was in either Asimov's or Analog at one point, and it basically used chaos theory as well, anything can happen, therefore I'm going to do crazy thing and just say, well, chaos theory. And I'm like, no! <laughs> That's not how it works! Yeah, it's because wizards. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because, because half-shirtless Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> half-shirtless? Well, I mean, that thing he wore like, in the Jurassic movie open and... I, I literally just wanted to cut down the center, like, <laughs> going from, like, chest to waist. Just that, so he's wearing the right arm, it looks very dapper from there. <laughs> and then there's just left tip. <laughs> that's that's you know? Two-Face on one side going to the beach and Harvey Dent on the other. <laughs> Go, going, to, going to a formal function. <laughs> and the thing is, I can totally see Jeff Goldblum pulling that off. <laughs> well, of course, of course you can. I'm going to start doing that right now. Why would I? Why? Why? Would I not do that? <laughs> I am going to show you the video of him explaining chaos theory to Dr. Sadler. I swear to God, I'm going to show that to you. Because it's that. I'm going to die. <laughs> Have you not seen Jurassic Park? He hasn't. No. What? No. I'm not surprised. It, it was... Actually, I think it'd be okay one though for you. It was the sort of thing where it part, hit two parts. as it's its kind of cultural peak was not around the time when I would have been wanting to watch it. I think I was just a little too young for it at the time. Okay. And by the time I would have been at the proper age for it, it was just, it was such the culturally dominant phenomenon that I had no desire to go and learn it. Right. And yeah, and like like I mentioned earlier today, I keep forgetting how much younger you are than me. <laughs> 
He's Sorry, a everybody. And I still think, well, no, I think I'm the youngest in the room, actually. But you're an even more wee baby. <laughs> I still think one of my favorite, or the, the the most interesting things, is uh, last year at Ohio going out to breakfast with a friend, and with including Hugh, <laughs> and Hugh mentions that he has a PhD in mathematics, which we can mark that out if you'd like. No, no. Um. And what was his reaction? At that point, he just assumed you're something like 50 or something like that? Yep. <laughs> just because I have a PhD. And then, of course, not only did he's like, no, then he was like, no. <laughs> and he just like, no, a friend of mine from LARP is, is moving to go uh, and, and get a PhD. And I was like, uh, she was like, but how old do you think I am? And I'm like, I mean, you're a lot younger than I am, like, but you're at least through a master's program, so I'm going to put you at this age. And she's like, actually, I don't have a master's. I'm doing them concurrently, so why age? I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> First of all, you're insane. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, she, anybody can do it. She can. She's amazing. But I, I felt like Donovan at the end of... Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, and I drank from the wrong grail. <laughs> <laughs> what is happening to me? <sighs> Dust. <laughs> I ended up constantly with people in the writing community that had not been told my age. I mean, this is even back several years ago when I took over the guild and slightly afterward, and like, like, you're somewhere in your 40s, right? I'm like, mm-hmm, you keep thinking that, girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> that where I get the, like, oh, I'm not in my 40s. Like, you're too young to be doing anything that requires this field. <laughs> okay, Double you, fuck you. Okay, you stop thinking that, honey. <laughs> <laughs> See, and that, that's also why I don't play that game of guess my age, because I'm awful at it. I don't care. You don't, I'm not going to get mad. I don't care if you're going to get mad. I don't like this game because I don't like being wrong, especially by a worried margin like that. And I probably will. I don't want to play that game. If you want to share that information, cool. I, age is a number. Do you. But no, I, I, don't, I, I, I don't want to be wrong. That's why I don't submit stories. But <laughs> <laughs> I can't even remember my own age half the time. <laughs> so, true facts, I'm, I'm 36. <gasps> I, that's not the funny part. There was, okay, so for the entire last year, anytime someone asked my age, what happened was my, my, brain, my brain processes things in terms of snippets of dialogue that I remember from things, and I have a really good memory for it. My parents used to make fun of me because I would quote commercials. It's just, that's, that's how I operate. That's what happens. It just, like, quotes come out of me. Um, I'm sure it annoys people, <laughs> but <laughs> there used to there was one sketch on Saturday Night Live, starring a comedian no longer with us, who was not my build, and he would introduce himself in that sketch, that one singular sketch, and the sketch was first off, I am thirty five years old. <laughs> <laughs> Then I would change it up because I'm not, I'm not divorced, <laughs> and I live in a van down by the river. <laughs> that was that was how like my, my brain processed my age. I was like, how old are you? I'm 
super stuff. <laughs> I am 35 years old. Now I'm 36, and there's nothing. But it's all right. It's all right. Because after my birthday, when I turn 37, the next time someone asks me, hey, so go, I'm 37, I'm not old. <laughs> Speaking of the only widely quotable Python left. <laughs> well, it's good to have something to look forward to. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag squad goals! <laughs> uh, oh my god, I realize I do air hashtags. <laughs> 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 You're such a young person. <sighs> oh my god, I'm like such a post-millennial. <laughs> Stop! <laughs> no! Veto! <laughs> Negate! That's why I've started hanging out with Sparfist. It's a part of it. It's just like, yes, I'm not the oldest one anymore. <laughs> <laughs> oh god! The gray hairs! They're coming back! Well, it's only like a year. <laughs> so I don't know if you win or not. <laughs> My partner's over here in his. His late later thirties, then then Sparfus quoted and like I'm so old. <laughs> no, it's my it's my desire to be to be like ninety and be that eccentric weird old man who like knows everything and then is like s- sets all the YA heroes on their quest. <laughs> <laughs> it's dangerous to go alone. Take this. <laughs> I'm gonna give you a shot, Tony. It's the first edition of Strunk and White. You keep that. I killed you. <laughs> Grandpa, you broke character. QM can supply me with quickline. <laughs> I hate Strunk and White. It's his favorite ed- uh, collection. The Fair. burn. I, there is a picture somewhere I, I posted to my Twitter. I don't know if it's still up there or not, but like someone brought it up. And I have a copy of Strunk and White. I bought it used at a used bookstore. I took it out, set up my camera, and I went. That's the one of my favorite things is, oh yeah, I have my your favorite book on me right now. I put it down in front of you at AC, and then you put it right in the ice cream scoop right next to it. <laughs> <laughs> for, those, for those who don't know that in joke, I, I think... I think hyperbolic threats of violence, like cartoon violence, is funny. With people I know, I don't know it's strangers, because that's creepy. <laughs> but like, someone hands me a story, they're like, here, read this, and I'm like, oh my god, where did you find this, why? <laughs> uh, was it because someone did a list of things not to do, and someone decided to do every single one of them on them? <laughs> oh yeah! <laughs> <laughs> and Thank you, pen. friend. I had forgotten. <laughs> Someday we're gonna have to get evil to like either put that up or just give up that on the hill. Yeah. Pester the bird or whatever he is now. Still a bird? He's still a bird. I think he's a bird. I think he's a bird. The entire oh, the, the entire podcast just descends into burp. <laughs> yeah, that. Ice cream scoop. Sorry. Uh, yeah. So it was, it, 
it was a thing where I was like, so it's like, I will disembowel you with an ice cream scoop. How dare you do this to me? And then one, one, was it holiday? Was it, was it Christmas or was it, what was it? It was Something. your wedding. It was, it was a wedding gift. Yes. Yeah, I received a fine wedding gift of two very fancy ice cream scoops. Yes, <laughs> he, he was yes. the first one, I was the second, that's right. Didn't one you buy last year? Yes. At that ice cream shop? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember that. I was and there for that. Yes, you were. You were there when I bought their anniversary or their, their wedding present. I feel so involved <laughs> in the story. I love I, I love ice cream. You can tell because I'm a big fat guy, but I have I have three ice cream scoops in my drawer now. <laughs> I own four. But I have three in the kitchen drawer. One of them is the really nice one from the local ice cream chain. One of them is a different kind that we got because we couldn't find my other one. And then one of them is an industrial ice cream scoop from Baskin Robbins. My, my mother worked at a Taco Bell Baskin Robbins co-branded store. Yeah, that's a weird combination. I don't know why or how, but they, they, they did away with the Baskin Robbins side of it because they were like, yeah, we want to be out of the ice cream business. So she was like, um, this didn't get sent off here. You want this? I'm like, oh yeah, it's a good ice cream scoop. We'll take that. Then I have another one that lives in my office next to the copy of Strunk and White. <laughs> but I've stopped. I've sort of stopped. I sort of stopped threatening people with it because, like, when you're in on the joke, it's really funny. Once you start, like, once other people start hearing it and don't know you, you start to sound unhinged. <laughs> And, and, and I have this thing, I have desperate desires for people to like me, so I'm like, oh, no, no, it's not, it's not a real threat, it's, 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 it's a cute joke, and they're like, why is this embowelment a joke to you? And I'm like, it's not, but this tip, no, no, stop, it's getting worse. I've stuck both my feet inside my mouth and swallowed them. <laughs> that was a play off the uh, cut your heart out with a spoon thing, wasn't oh, it? Oh, it was, yeah, it was, I'll dig his heart out with a spoon. Alan Rickman. God bless him. Why a spoon, cousin? Why not an axe? A spoon is blunt, you twit. It'll hurt more. God, that movie. If you've never seen Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves with Kevin Costner, please do yourself the favor. Kevin Costner's almost unwatchable, but the movie's good around him. <laughs> He, he doesn't the first ten minutes. He doesn't. Yeah, he doesn't have a. He doesn't have a British accent. He doesn't do a British accent except for like three scenes in the middle of the movie. He suddenly half develops one, and I'm like, these were the scenes that were shot first, that they didn't want to reshoot, and they just went, Kevin, Ke- Ke- Kevin, Kevin, my, my my precious, my my child, my 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 love, you can't stop. <laughs> Speaking of accents and speaking of Magic the Gathering from before, I'm finding it entertaining going through the audiobook version of War of the Spark currently because so many of the different characters have wide-ranging different accents. Yep. Yeah. Like, I, I don't remember which character it is. Someone in Rakdos has an Australian accent. And then there's another guild that's like, oh, you have various British accents. And then, oh, 
wait a minute, you're from the same planet and from the same city, and you have an American accent. <laughs> is it? Is this a full cast audiobook or is it one narrator? It's one narrator. Oh, bless. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'll cast oh, giant growth on my, on my massive wallaby. <laughs> I do feel bad for them because that is... Yeah. That's the challenge. Is that voice actor really wants to show off what they can do so they get other work with those accents. <laughs> but it, it, it was Domri that had the Australian accent. No, he... No, 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 no. Dom, Domri has the... The like, uh, not quite posh British accent, like just no, no, not not even the posh British accent. No, he's got to have a Cockney accent. Well, Cockney accent. Yeah. He's got to be Cockney. Yeah. Is it Cockney? Is it like that? Yeah. yeah. Okay, it's Cockney. Yeah. Or yeah. close to it. it. It's Exava, whatever her name is, in Rakdos, who is the Australian accent, and then like, isn't Lavinia more high high class British accent? Something like that. It's just like, okay, you're you're not keeping accents consistent across guilds or places in the city, and I am so confused by this. I am sure there's some someone who made this decision was not thinking about the cultural implications of this. But okay, you're implying they're thinking at all. Exactly, especially in that book. It's been a while since the tie-in novels. Yeah. Which I slight spoilers, but that book is pacing problems. The novel, yeah. <laughs> sort of like my games of magic. <laughs> At least you get mana. <laughs> no, not when I was playing against my own mill deck with him. I sure didn't. I milled you. I just feel he so milled me happy. to death with two different decks. <laughs> I am so happy. Was this during Red Dragon? While yeah, I was during Red Dragon. Dragon. <laughs> it was fun to actually get to win that today. <laughs> uh, congratulations. I, I maintain its residual luck from you running the tournament, furthermore. But I don't get to play during the tournament. If no, you absorb so. everyone else's luck. That's why they all have misfortunes happen during the game until one is left standing. And we put that guy on a pedestal and hand him a t-shirt coupon. <laughs> no, that's third place. Oh right, no, you you, you you go on you get the campaign coins sometimes, like the full metal replacements for the cardboard ones or Yeah, I get the metal coins for um Red Dragon Inn, the five person metal coin set, and they also get a copy of Red Dragon Inn five, the character trove, which is the giant box that holds everything right now. And for for the foreseeable future. Well doing the Nadine panel at the same time. What? Well, seeing as how I've oh. started investing in Red Dragon in a little. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of which, you did bring that back, right? Yes, I packed okay. it up. Uh, it should be up here somewhere. I trust you. Yeah. What, the Morphicon game thing? Nope. Um, but, uh, yeah. We've been going about two hours, so... Yeah, we should definitely wrap it up. So that, so it is that, getting late, or early. You're going to have, you're gonna have to cut out about half of me talking, just because it's all me talking, because I can't <laughs> shut up. 
because you're an actor and it's your job to talk. Exactly. Just like I'm a teacher. It's my job to teach and lecture. It's what I do. I'm an editor. It's my job to hate and hate everything. (laughs) That is not always true with all editors. I mean, I don't know what we would have done if Ash hadn't shown up. Furthermore, it's just been us staring at each other awkwardly. Actually, he guided so much of that shit writer save panel. Not panel. It never happened. (laughs) That that happened. The thing that never happened was amazing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, something happened that you will never know about. Sorry, guys. Yep. We'll just talk around it forever. It's all right. I don't even remember what it is, So, and I've been told. So, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's, it's designed to self-destruct inside the brain. <laughs> well, in fact, that, we told you four times in this recording, and, well, you just don't remember. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the silence. I was going to say, it's a phrase <laughs> like the silence. No. I think, I think a couple, we would just kind of have a conversation, honestly. I think it'd be okay. I think we'd be okay without, like, a major voice actor like Sparf or a major editor like Ash. I think we I think we could be okay. Maybe. I don't know. We're, we're still kind of trying to wing this whole podcast thing. <laughs> well, I guess we could try that at Anthrocon because they're all staff, so if we wanted to do, like, our own recording on Thursday or something. Um... Mark! <laughs> I don't know. I mean, honestly, I, I hadn't thought about us recording a pocket. Um, do we want to try to do Tower and the Fox as a group at Anthrocon? Go live. Gives me a deadline to read and finish the episode. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking, because we actually do need a deadline to finish that book. I need a deadline to start the book. I'm done! But short. <laughs> well, I've read it once before. There you go. Alright, Mark back in. So, it is getting early. People have to drive places tomorrow. I need to go back to freaking out about going to RAR. <laughs> so, I'm amazed at how many people are here in the middle of Ohio who are coming all the way from the East Coast. Congratulations to all of you for a job well done. Yeah, the East Coast. Mm. Whoa. Hey, you want to hear a uh, story about getting to this con? <laughs> <laughs> I drove, I drove through a winter storm in the mountains, bobtail. Uh, still managed 750 miles. Then I drove another 520 miles diagonally across Kansas where a tornadic storm was over my head the whole time I was on I-35. Bobtail. I'm glad I didn't have a trailer, honestly. I, I probably was probably better off Bobtail in that circumstance. Sure. Then I grabbed my load, I grabbed the trailer, do a do a 280-mile deadhead, get a uh, 40, it was a 43,000, about 43.5, 43, 43, load. That's, that's 43,500 pounds. Um, drive it across, uh, all the way across Illinois, and Indiana, I did, I did, uh, yeah, just, just shy of 700 miles that day, and that was last night slash early this morning. After I dropped my load off, I bobtailed here to Furthermore. Or where are we at? <laughs> Anthro Ohio. That other con you bobtailed too. Yeah. Con For the Anthro Ohio con. 
So, and oh, and I, I didn't mention this, but I started in Phoenix. That's a hell of a drive. Yeah. I salute you. All to be here to give you this recording. This and with that, quality content. <laughs> yeah. Good night, everybody. Good night. Good night. Good night.